Welcome to the Person and the Power podcast with Pastor Tim Johnson, as he invites us to cultivate a deep and profound relationship with the Holy Spirit of the living and loving God. After 25 years of ministry, Pastor Tim's desire is that all of us would experience both the Spirit's transformational intimacy and the supernatural activity in our daily lives. Now, here's Pastor Tim. So true story, the only spanking I ever received in school, 12 years of schooling. Now, we can't talk about the spankings I received at home. We just don't have that kind of time. But the only spanking I ever received in school was from a four foot, 10 inch woman. And I think I gave her a couple of inches just then. And I was innocent. I was accused of something that I did not do. All right, so her name was Mrs. Armstrong. And kind of a ironic name, considering the fact that she was the only one who used her arm to give me a paddling. And and it was a pretty strong paddling. Get it? Arm strong, strong. Okay. So, and I'm not kidding. She was maybe four foot ten. I'm kind of thinking four foot eight. So, we were, I'm almost positive it was sixth grade. I checked with my twin sister, Pam, and she wasn't quite sure. And I'm not even sure if she was in my class with me at the time. Uh, we took we didn't always take classes together. We shared lockers together, me and my twin sister. We were best friends in high school and school all throughout. And it still remain obviously very, very close today. But um, I don't know if she was in that class with me, with Mrs. Armstrong. So I'm going to land on sixth grade. I had been a model student all the way up. Now remember, for those who know and for those who've heard podcasts before or me preach and teach... I was a special ed student. That's what we were called back then. Had a little white trailer uh, that was uh, outside of the actual school building. So I was indeed segregated out um, into the, I was mainstreamed and into the, I had homeroom and and a couple of classes, you know, throughout. Uh, Really uh, a lot of, uh, I had a few classes actually. They increased as my speech impediment got better, but I was special ed because of my speech impediment. So from first grade to sixth, I spent a lot of time in that white trailer with Mrs. Eubanks. Now, from six or from seventh grade into I think even my freshman year, I still was spending some time with Ms. Eubanks, but I was getting better with my speech. And praise God, uh, she God really truly used Mrs. Eubanks to encourage me and give me just such a hope and a peace and just worked with me with such patience. But um I had a speech impediment, which put me in that special ed trailer, but I did have mainstreamed classes at times, including, again, homeroom and a few others. But I was, in those mainstream classes, I was I was a superb student. I really was. I was straight A's. If I'm pretty sure I remember straight A's, honor rolls all the time. Now, granted, I don't know how hard it is to be on an honor roll on second, third grade, but... Uh, I know I was on it. I remember being a, a really good speller. I've always been a, uh, as much as I couldn't speak words, I was always a fan of words, the written and the, eventually the spoken word, but I was always a fan of words. And so spelling was, uh, I was good at spelling. I, I wasn't always great at math, but at least from the math from first through sixth grade, 
I excelled at it. So I remember some perfect attendance awards. I remember, um, you know, best student here. Uh, uh, you remember, anybody remember Citizen of the Year Award? You remember that? Good Citizen of the Year or something like that? Of course, there was always the most improved. But I remember winning Citizen of the Year. So I was a model student from grades one to six. Now, I will say by the seventh grade, I began to become not a bad student, really just mischievous a little bit. Uh, I still remember a, a couple of dares that I took from my friends in seventh and eighth grade that got me in trouble with my, my teachers. I'll, tell, I'll save that for another podcast maybe one day. But I also became a little bit less, um, well, I just didn't apply myself, right? I think can anyone, <laughs> any any hearty amens out there? I just didn't apply myself very well to school. And honestly, from seventh grade on, I didn't apply myself well all the way until, well, honestly, seminary after I was born again. So college, nope. High school, nope. Junior high, not really. But I... Obviously, in the elementary school years, I, I did. I had applied myself. I was I prided myself, really, on being a good student, which makes this spanking all the more, <laughs> all the more uh, wrong, all the more uh, just kind of a blemish on my record. So we were in Miss Armstrong's. She was my homeroom teacher. Okay, I'm pretty sure that's right. She was my homeroom teacher, Mrs. Armstrong. Again, four foot ten. And that's being generous, probably four foot eight. She was, I liked her a lot. I really did. She was pretty firm though. And she wasn't, uh, you know, there are other teachers I had that were sweeter and seemed like, you know, more uh, softer, if you will. Mrs. Armstrong, you didn't want to cross her, but that was good. And again, I really liked her, but uh, she was also, she had kind of a little hard edge to her uh, because I think, uh, you know, she just wanted to make sure we knew we couldn't really take advantage of her. So, here we were. I remember, I'm pretty sure, I know it was in the afternoon. I want to say it was after recess. And the class, again, homeroom. Uh, we, I think we came into homeroom, I believe. or may, And maybe it may have been. We may have had a class with her a, as well. But I'm pretty sure it was homeroom. But I, I, for whatever reason, I do remember it was the afternoon. Yeah, because my... Um, my rear end <laughs> was still stinging when I got picked up at, from school by, uh, by my mama. And uh, back in that day, you had to tell your parents that you got in trouble, and then you got into trouble just as much at home. Yep, you, most of you finished that sentence, <laughs> so you all know. Uh, to this day, I don't know. I don't know. Corporal punishment, obviously, uh, again, I am not a fan of... Um, any kind of abuse, I'm not a fan. Uh, in fact, uh, man, that will um, fire me up quicker than anything when people start abusing other people. But I am a fan of discipline, and I, my Pam and I, my wife and I, we we disciplined our kids with spankings. Uh, we were fine if our teachers. I don't. I don't remember. I want to. I cannot really remember. <laughs> I'm gonna throw them under the bus. I wonder if, I think Taylor may have been the only one I might remember getting a spanking. I know our kids got into trouble at school, 
And we were fine with that. We were not these parents who got mad at the teacher for getting mad at our kids or for correcting our kids or disciplining our kids. We were not those parents. And we really prayed about that. And that's probably a whole podcast all of its own. But we really were parents. We prayed. Pam and I prayed, please, Lord, do not make us blind to our own children's imperfections, to their own areas of need to develop and and to be disciplined. Do not make us those parents where our kids somehow were always perfect and we were going to take up for our kids all the time. I get it, Mama Bear. I get it, even Daddy Bear. But but I want our I, I, we wanted to make sure that our kids were held accountable not just by us but by those in authority. We needed our kids to really trust and really submit to authority. I know we live in a different age and a different culture, but I do not think that uh, that uh, standard should be different. I really don't. Is it harder to keep the standard? Absolutely. So we were not opposed to corporal punishment. I was just opposed to getting spanked when I shouldn't have. (laughs) That's the point of this. I should not have been spanked. So back to the story. Here we are. Again, I'm pretty sure somewhere homeroom in the afternoon. I know we had homeroom in the morning, and I think we had homeroom again in the afternoon. And Mrs. Armstrong had to be called into the uh, back into the hallway for some reason. I remember she had to be back in the hallway, or you know, she got called out. And she, I remember her saying, um, "Now I need everyone to be silent, or I need everyone to stop talking." Well, she came back in uh, at some point, and there were about five or six talking. Now. I believe I could throw about four of them under the bus right now. I could name them right now. I I, I see them. I know. I remember their names. Uh, and you know who wasn't talking? Yep, yours truly. I was not talking. Now, I was pretty shy in school. And I still think, I tell people this all the time. They roll their eyes. I still think I'm probably an introvert. I, I'm, an, I'm an extroverted introvert. And I think that means I've learned to be an extrovert as a pastor, as a leader, as a speaker, as a teacher, as a preacher, uh, and as a soon-to-be author. Pray about that. <laughs> but I, um, I, I've learned to be an, an extrovert. But my natural tendency is to walk, take long walks by myself. Um, I like to, to, to be kind of in the back. I don't ever jump, I don't ever walk into a situation <clears throat> immediately and say, here I am, you know, the party can start. I'm just not that person. I don't have like 15,000 friends. Um, I just don't think I'm the life of the party. I, I really, I, I think I'm an introvert. And so to that day in Mrs. Armstrong's uh, class, I know, I know for a fact, I just sat there, I think I was reading a book, I think I was... Uh, maybe even doing a little bit of homework because uh, I think I was behind on something. And again, remember, first grade, sixth grade, I was the model student. This is sixth grade. And I didn't want to be behind in homework. Plus, I respected authority at that point. Uh, again, did I always respect authority? No. From seventh grade on, again, cha- you know, I was, <laughs> I was, a, you know, it was a challenge. But, but for this moment, I know that I was intentional about being quiet. First time she comes back and she's pretty, she's pretty fired up. She said, I told you all to be quiet. Now, I need you to be quiet. Now, now it becomes like a, you know, the first time it was like, oh, here, everybody be quiet. Now, for Mrs. Armstrong, it became like a challenge. You all will be quiet. And when I come back, there better be silence. So she had to go back. Of course, we had no clue when she'd be back. There was silence for probably a couple of minutes. Well, of course, the, the, uh, the, 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 usual suspects 
right, broke the silence and began to talk. Once one person talks, two people, four people, eight people. So they're a pretty good little chatter going on. And I, I remember guys sitting there feeling dread, thinking, I don't think we want to tick off this four foot ten woman who has a little bit of a attitude at times, and I don't think we want to do this. And I remember sitting there the second time. She comes back. Now she's mad. She's mad. And because she heard the noise. She was just outside the hallway talking with some teachers. And she heard us. She walks he walks right back in and she says, I told you. I mean, she started. She got on us. And she said, I've got to go back. And I tell you, I better not hear a single sound from this classroom. She walks back out. Mm-mm-mm. Now, there's a little longer period of silence, all right? Probably, maybe, you know, maybe five, six, seven minutes. But somebody started talking. It was not me. It was not me. So she comes back in. They're talking. She says, I've had it. I'm done. Everybody, get up, line up. I'm thinking, are you serious? Yes. Mrs. Armstrong got the paddle. Anybody remember the wooden paddles? Wooden paddles. I do not think those exist today in any school. Now, maybe there might be some school somewhere in the far reaches of the U.S. that, that might still have those. I could think of maybe some some schools that may have them. But I just don't think most schools have paddles anymore because I don't think corporal punishment is really allowed. And so here, this four foot eight inch woman is now, most of us, I include, including myself, most of us were taller than Mrs. Armstrong. Most of us were taller than her. She made us line up, 28 students, I guess, 32 students, whatever it was. She made us line up, come before her. She brought another teacher in as a witness. And we had to grab our ankles. You all remember this, right? Had to grab our ankles. Now, some of you don't remember because some of you never got spanked. I got spanked one time in my entire school life. This was it. And I was innocent. I was so mad. Oh, I was so mad. I was scared. I was already in tears before I got up there. And I think she even looked at me. At one point, I think she looked at me. I think she kind of had this empathy with me because I think she knew I wasn't talking. But you know how it is when you do a class project and you do a, a project with a group. Anybody know? Anybody just now give out an audible ugh? Group projects. Anybody? Anybody? And you get graded as a group, even though if there's four people in the group, five people in the group, one person does about 82% of the work. The other person might do 17%. There might be one person doing 1%, and then two people do nothing. And guess what? Everybody gets the same grade based on the person who did 82% of the work. That's not exactly fair, now is it? This moment was not fair. It was not fair. It was not fair. Here I am. I line up before Ms. Armstrong. Mrs. Armstrong, I grab my ankles, and she just wallops my rear end. Now, it was only one lick, but it was enough to sting. I mean, it stung for probably a couple of hours. I, I remember, like I said, it was, la it was afternoon homeroom and we were about ready to, I think, leave and it was still stinging when I got into the car with mama and I had to tell her why my tail, <laughs> why my tail feathers were still pretty ruffled and pretty stinging. And so all of us got the spanking while only a few of us were talking. That isn't fair. Guys, I was accused of something that I had not done. How is that fair? It's not.
I still remember the feeling of, of shame. I, I remember the feeling. Now I'm, uh, I'm mad at, at Mrs. Armstrong, but I'm also mad at my class. I'm mad at the four, five, six people that, again, to this day, I can still point out and say those were the ones. Those were the culprits. Those were the guilty ones. I felt, uh, I remember even that afternoon, that evening, I mean, I felt horrible. I felt like I had failed. I felt like that kind of like there was a, I felt like there was a blemish on my record. All the way through school, I had never been spanked. I'd never really been in trouble. And that day, I was in trouble, not because I was in trouble. I was in trouble not because I got into trouble. I was in trouble because other people caused the trouble. And I had to somehow identify with them. And everybody in the class got that spanking. Verse 33 of Romans 8. Verse 33, one verse again. Who dares accuse us? whom God has chosen for his own? That's the question that Paul poses now. Last week we looked at this question, who can ever be against us? And now we look at this question, who can accuse us? Who dare? Who dares? I love that word, dares. Who would even think? Who would even have the audacity to accuse us? Us, us, the one whom God has chosen for his own. The answer, no one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Come on. My goodness gracious, what a powerhouse verse that is. And I think it's so appropriate. Yes, the story of me getting spanked in Mrs. Armstrong's class because I was falsely accused of talking. I had to identify with the four or five talkers. Think about it. 32, 28 to 32 people in the class, only four or five or six were talking. And then the, all of us get punished. Not fair, right? But here we are. I believe that the enemy specializes in accusations. Specializes in accusations. We know that from uh, several places in Scripture, but we'll come to that here in just a little bit. Uh, first, let's look at the Greek word. The Greek word for this word accuses. Who dares accuse us? Uh, the Greek word is enkahelo. 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 And it means to... To, to demand a debt to be paid, to call in a debt, to demand a debt, to bring to account, all right? Also, to bring a charge, here's the accusation part, to bring a charge against one and then to accuse someone. It, it, it really does mean to bring them into court as if they're guilty, that's what that really, it really does mean. It, it means that you're bringing them into court, not, uh, not for a trial. You're bringing them in after the trial, right? So after the judge has determined, after the jury has said guilty, now there's what? There's the sentencing phase, right? That's what this is. The accusation here is not simply the fact that you've been accused of something you didn't do. It is basically the accusation is, the accusation is this idea that you have done something. We've brought charges against you. You're guilty as all get out. You're guilty as sin, right? Now you got to be called into account and there's a debt to be paid and now there's a demand for you to pay it. And that payment is going to come in the form of the punishment that you so rightly deserve. 
That's why you've been accused of something. So that's what this weight of this word is. Um, it is it, the, the word accuse or inkahalo, inkahalo. Um, and so this word, guess what we stand guilty of? We do stand guilty. Unlike sixth grade, Mrs. Armstrong's class, you and I are guilty. We're guilty of all the sin in the world. And yet, here Paul is saying, in all light of all of Romans 8, in all of Romans 6, in all of Romans 7, remember context, we've been doing this for weeks now, and, and all of the context is so important, especially as we close up these last few weeks here, looking at this, just this, almost this climax of this incredible powerhouse of three chapters, boom, 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 6 and 7 and 8. Understand the context. We are guilty. We're guilty of sin. So who has the right to accuse us? Everybody. But here Paul says, if God is for us, in verse 32, who could be against us, right? And, 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 and verse 31, and then verse 32, he didn't even spare his own son. So will he give us everything else? In verse 32, now verse 33, who dares, who has the audacity to accuse you when he has not? And he says, no one, for God himself has given us the right standing with himself. You know, when I read this verse and I think of this verse and I reflect on this verse, I can't help but go to Revelation, right? Now, I'm going to read the old King James Version here, all right? Uh, and I'm going to start reading at verse 9 through 11 of chapter 12. So listen to Revelation 12, 9 through 11. And again, it's the King James Version. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Verse 10, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down. Listen to that. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And we can't finish that without really the powerhouse of verse 11. And they overcame him by, somebody finish this for me, the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. So let's go back to this accuser. The accuser of our brethren. I love the fact that that word, that little tiny uh, possessive word is our. O-U-R. This is, this is basically God saying, these are our brothers and sisters. These are our people. And the accuser is attacking our people. God is taking our side. You might read verse 31 lately. If God be for us, who can be against us? God's on our side. This is why the, this, so God is on our side. This is why he can't accuse us. If he's going to accuse us, he's, he's standing before God trying to accuse us because we're on God's side, okay? But then also, Remember the definition of accusing, right? Accusing here in the Greek means we have a charge against us. I mean, we are guilty, and we've been accused of it. But remember verse 32. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us. So now someone has taken the charges for us. Someone has taken the accusation upon himself away from us. That's how verse 31 and 32 work to make 33 the truth. Who dares accuse us? He, the enemy, has been accusing us before God, it says day and night. 
We are always being accused of something by the enemy. You and I do not have to live in the shame of the accusation. You and I do not have to live in the shame or the guilt of being accused of anything. You and I are free of charges, which must mean we are free of accusation. No one can accuse us of things we have not done or things we have done. Why? Because Jesus Christ has taken all charges and accusations from us. We stand covered in the blood. We stand free of condemnation, free of charge, and yes, free of accusation. Have I recovered from a spanking in sixth grade? I have. But does that speak to an accusation that's much greater and deeper? I think a lot of us deal with accusations. Be blessed and be free, my friend, of all charges and all accusations. Why? Because of Jesus. Who dares accuse you? Those whom God has chosen as his own. No one. For God himself has given us right standing. Pastor Tim is the co-founder and teaching director of the Joshua Center, a leadership training ministry which provides deep biblical roots to great movements of God. He's also the senior pastor of Firmers Chapel, a country church by a creek, reaching 13 countries on four different continents for Jesus and his kingdom. Join us next time as we grow deeper in the person and the power.